All right, we are in uh, Luke chapter 6. Lucas 6. Luke chapter 6. This morning, we will look at some of the teaching of Jesus. These are rules. Jesus wants us to follow as his disciples, but more importantly, these rules will show us what God is like. Okay, so we will get to see the heart of God in these commandments that Jesus gives. This is how God treats us, and I think it's important to remember that as we read our uh, scripture this morning, beginning in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Jesus says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. So if you remember from last Sunday, Jesus gave four blessings and he gave four warnings. And in doing so, he basically divided the entire human race into two groups of people representing the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. He also said that that his people, the people of the kingdom, should expect persecution. And that's also important to remember as we read these instructions because this is how Jesus wants his disciples to respond specifically to persecution. Love them. Do good to them. Bless them. Pray for them. That is your response as my disciples to the people who are attacking you. All right? Now, Jesus is going to illustrate this in four ways. Verse 29. He says, To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. We're going to pause here. So, what does it mean to love your enemy? What does it mean to bless them? What does it mean to respond to hatred with good? Jesus illustrates this for us with four simple examples. And I I call them simple, but as they say, simple doesn't mean easy, right? Hitting a fastball is a simple concept. You swing the bat at the ball, right? It's, It's very simple in the sense that children can learn how to in theory, do that at a very young age. But it might be the most difficult thing to do in all of sports. So much that, in, in fact, the best players in the world 
strike out most of the time, right? Simple, but difficult. And y'all, there is nothing easy about turning the other cheek. There is nothing easy about meeting injustice with grace. There is nothing easy about showing love to an enemy, or in Jesus' words, even an abuser. Simple examples, but incredibly difficult. And yet, this is how high Jesus raises the bar for His disciples. The standard is grace. It is giving people something that they clearly do not deserve. None of these blessings have been earned by the other person, right? And yet Jesus says to us, I want you to give them anyway. Even though they have not been earned. Even though they are not deserved. The foundation of these commands is verse 31, which we refer to as the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But in context, we could rephrase it slightly and say, show grace because you need grace. Show grace because you need grace. And the next section that we're going to read makes that clear. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil, be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Now, y'all, we should stop and consider how radical this is. Offensive, even. Love people who don't love you. Do good to people who have chosen to do evil to you. Love your enemies. Lend even to people expecting nothing in return. Now, if I'm honest, part of me does not like this at all. A lot of me really doesn't like this. Grace is actually offensive to people who don't think they need it. 
Remember, the kingdom of God turns everything upside down or, or right side up, however you want to think of that. Grace is not the way of the world. The way of the world is that people get what they deserve, or at least what we think they deserve, right? That's the way of the world. But who gets to judge what people deserve, right? Who gets to be the judge of what people deserve? That's a good question. Let's find out. Verse 37. Jesus continues, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. A couple months ago on Wednesday nights, we talked about several verses that are sometimes used or exploited by prosperity teachers. This is one of them, verse 38. Um, that, you know, the, it's, it's talking about giving, right? It's talking about money. And actually, it's not, is it, in context? It's talking about forgiveness, and grace, and relationships. And so, just to clarify, that verse doesn't have anything to do with money, okay? But as a whole, verses 37 and 38, on the surface, most people really like this part of Jesus' sermon because he's saying pretty clearly you get what you give, right? You get what you give. And so he's inferring then, okay, if it's true, then who are you to judge? others. Who are you to condemn me? Who are you to judge me? And that's a fair question. It is not our place to judge other people. Jesus clearly commands us not to judge other people. He, in fact, commands us to forgive. But... But, most people quote this verse assuming that Jesus is giving us the license to do whatever we want to do and then say, and don't judge me. And don't condemn me, right? I can do whatever I want. Jesus said so. No, that's not what he says, is it? That completely misses the point. Only guilty people need to be forgiven. Only guilty people need to be shown grace and mercy. And so Jesus is actually saying that all of us deserve judgment and condemnation, and because that is true, none of us is worthy to judge other people. You see that? He's saying we need forgiveness, so we better learn how to show it. 
That's the message, I think. So let me ask you, what would the world be like if everyone believed and practiced what Jesus is teaching? What would our world be like if people actually did this, lived this way? There would be no revenge. There would be no racism. There would be no social classism or caste systems. It would be a completely different world, would it not? But this is not the kind of world we live in, is it? We live in a world of division and hatred and retribution. You hurt me, I hurt you back. But the kingdom of God operates differently. And if you're going to be honest, there's a struggle going on right now in your heart, in your mind, whether or not you even like this, what Jesus is saying. I think it's important that you're honest about it. To help us understand, Jesus tells a really powerful story in Matthew 20, and I use this often because it's so, so good at revealing our heart. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a landowner in a vineyard. Okay, so think grapevines on the hillside. And the landowner needs workers, and so he goes into the market early in the morning, and he hires some workers for this vineyard, and all of the workers agree to a fair day's wage, and they head into the field to pick grapes. The landowner goes back into town a few times during the day and decides to hire more workers under the same pay arrangement. As the day progresses, he doesn't lessen the pay. He continues offering each new worker the same full day's wage. Everybody gets the same paycheck. Even the workers that he hires only an hour before sunset, they get the full wage as well. Now, as we might expect, at the end of the day, the workers that he hired at 6 a.m., they're upset when it's time to be paid because they felt like they were entitled to more. Or at least the other people were entitled to less. even though they agreed to the wage that they received. And you can understand this, right? They worked a full 12 hours, and the last people only worked for one hour. That doesn't seem fair to us. But Jesus says that the landowner replies, do I not have the right to be generous 
to the latecomers if I choose to. This is my money. It's my land. And I have not been unfair to you. You agreed to this wage. No one forced them to work. And still, we don't like it. We want to be paid in direct proportion to the work we do, and we want everyone else to be paid in the same way. If our boss is going to be generous with someone else, then he'd better be generous with me too. But this attitude that we struggle with makes it very difficult for us to understand the grace of God. It is very difficult for people who are concerned with their own rights to understand grace when they believe that they deserve a better life. And is that not what we're struggling with? All the way back to Adam and Eve. I deserve something better. God is holding out on me. This is not the life that I'm supposed to be living. It's His fault. There's something not right here. If I can be so bold, what Jesus is calling us to do is to live as His disciples as if we have no rights in this world at all. To live as if we have no right to comfort. To live as if we have no right to property. As if we have no right to wealth. As if we have no right to health. As if we have no right to honor. Now the civil authorities, and I've said this before, they they may preserve such rights on our behalf, and they should. And ultimately, justice will be served by God, but we are being called by Jesus to voluntarily give up these things. To voluntarily sacrifice, to voluntarily surrender our rights in love for the sake of His kingdom. And of course that's what Jesus calls us to do because no servant is greater than his master. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus practiced what he preached. Probably really the only one to ever fully do that. And in doing so, Jesus showed us the heart of God. You understand that What's going to happen later in the Gospel of Luke is that Jesus is going to lay down His right to crush His enemies with a single word. Do you understand that when Jesus is arrested and He's standing before Pilate and He's being judged and condemned to die, do you understand that a legion of angels stood ready with their hands on their swords waiting for a word from their king so that they could annihilate the oppressor. And that's all it would have taken. A nod. Jesus would have crushed His enemies. 
And instead, the angels watch while their king is spit upon and stripped and flogged, thorns pressed into his scalp, while humans mock him and nail him to a cross. Do you understand that that man has every right to judge me? He has every right to condemn me. But he laid down that right to receive me as a friend. And this is really what the kingdom of God is all about. This is what Luke 6 is teaching us. It's what the parable of the generous landowner is about. The kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of this world because of grace. So how should we respond to this? Because okay, so this, this is the good news. This is what's being preached to you from God's Word. How ought we to respond to it? The answer is always the same. It is always repentance. Repentance is what Jesus is asking for us to do. We're being called to repentance. But when I say that word, it sometimes leads to confusion. The word repentance in the church usually makes us immediately think of sin. We examine our hearts. We identify our personal sin, our personal failures, and then we confess those things to God. And yes, that is absolutely an important aspect of repentance and faith. Acknowledging sin. Confessing it. But you understand that repentance is much more than that. A pastor friend of mine this week, he, he wrote this statement, and I agree with it completely. He said, Repentance is not primarily about being sorry for your sins. Repentance is primarily about changing the way we think. So when Jesus said, repent and believe the good news, the kingdom of God is at hand, he was saying, change your way of thinking and have confidence in me because the kingdom that you hoped for is inadequate compared to the kingdom that is available now that I have come. You see the difference? That's the good news. In other words... Compare the world that Jesus is describing for His disciples to the world that currently exists and ask yourself, which kingdom do I want to be a part of? And if your answer is, I want to be a part of the kingdom of Jesus, then turn from the world in whatever ways you're currently pursuing it and follow Jesus. Now, isn't that so simple and yet incredibly difficult? Why is it difficult? Because it's not one choice that you make and then you move on. It's an everyday battle to actively repent and believe. It is a million daily choices until Jesus returns 
because these two kingdoms remain at war with one another in the world and in your heart. And it's all those little things that we're struggling with, right? Obedience versus disobedience. Choosing justice over injustice. Choosing good business practices over shady business practices, right? Choosing truth over lies. Choosing worship over recreation. The list goes on and on and on because it is a kingdom of a world versus a kingdom of the one who created the universe. And they are at odds with one another. And every day we're living out that reality. And we will not get it right every time because the battle is also happening in our hearts. But if you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, remember that He is kind even to the ungrateful and the evil. And I'm thankful to be counted among that group. I'm a son of God because He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. People like me. And so I will close with this simple Direct application. Simple, but difficult. Who is your enemy? Who in your life today needs to experience the grace of the new kingdom from you? Not in theory. In reality, who is it and what might it look like for you to forgive and actively love this person in your life who least deserves it from you? And these are the kinds of questions that we ask as followers of Jesus. Let's pray to Him and ask for His help. Lord Jesus, if we're honest, these are hard words. They're important words. They reveal to us the struggle that's going on in each of our hearts. And Father, the way of this world to hurt those who hurt us, to reject those who reject us, to hate our enemies, Lord. We need, we need Your help to turn from those ways and to trust You and to follow You into a way that looks like forgiveness and grace because You have shown it to us. Help us to see this. Help us to understand it. Help us to know what it might look like for us to embrace Your kingdom in our life in gratitude, in daily active repentance and faith. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand and sing.